10 Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're talking week three picks as well as a few odds and ends in the Big Ten. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. No YouTube today. We had a technical difficulty, but you can follow us on YouTube. Make sure to, to punch that subscribe button. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review Send feedback, share it with your friends, send me an email, Big10FootballTalk at gmail.com. Follow us on X and Instagram. Big Ten Football Talk is our handle. I want to start just by going back briefly to the Mel Tucker sexual harassment situation. There's a lot more information coming out. And I feel like well, I I don't feel like I said anything incendiary or gossipy. I I just want to reiterate we just don't know everything that happened. And so I'm not in the business, you know, I I don't want to be clickbaity. I don't want to be uh like all the other talk shows who kind of make or declare situations. I just I I just want to talk about where I think we are at in certain situations. So I, right now, the, all we know is that there's an investigation and it's kind of a he said, she said, and he's suspended without pay. And there's an interim coach and Mark D'Antonio is coming back as associate head coach. I'm going to leave it at that until there's more information. Uh, I, I do... I do want to apologize if anyone feels like I went too far. If I did, that's not my that wasn't my intention, but I, I want to take responsibility for that. So I I apologize if I did, and particularly to Spartan fans, uh, the, the reality is just there's just so much we don't know. And I, it what's I think hard is that with more information it feels like there's more uncertainty. So I'm not going to comment on it any further until there is more resolution. One thing I will comment on is the Noah Shannon case, uh, former defensive tackle for Iowa. Unfortunately, it is former because the NCAA decided that they would not grant his appeal He was suspended, I I believe, for a year, maybe suspended for the rest of his tenure in in college football. Not entirely sure all the dynamics of it. It was hard to figure out what it was. But Noah Shannon bet on a women's basketball game involving the Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball team, you know, the team that was a national runner-up. He made a bet on that team. And I think according to Iowa State, law that was a violation and according to the NCAA that is a violation now 
I want to first just mention Noah Shannon did commit a violation. And he acknowledged that. You know, he in his announcement, he said he made a mistake. He shouldn't have done it. And he apologizes to his teammates, to the fans. And I, I, I think what could get lost in this whole situation is that he did make a mistake. He, he did violate something and that there, there are consequences for violating a, a rule. Whether you agree with it or not, there are consequences. And I don't know Noah personally, but if you're listening, Noah, I, I want to just be very clear. I really appreciate your humility and your willingness to own a mistake. And, and not just a mistake, a choice. You, you made a choice and you owned it. Which is more than I can say for the NCAA. We'll get to them in a minute. But I, I'm, I'm proud of how he, how he owned it. And while others, I think, are, are just lambasting the NCAA, which I think is, there's some validity to, or maybe lots of validity to, he, he is not doing that. He's, he is owning it. And he is, as much as it stinks for him and his career, his career is over, his college collegiate career is over. He is, he is not going down the low blow road of saying, well, it's all their fault. So that being said, the penalty does not fit the crime. And it, it's what drives me nuts about this, this organization that says they govern college athletics and yet all they do is make confusing decisions and don't lead. And it's exhausting. Like, what is the NCAA doing? Did they, do they do this for everybody? Do they do this for people who violate other rules that seem much more egregious? You know, like being an accessory to murder. Yeah, that actually happened, by the way, to another player. No, there's, there's no consistency. That's the problem. That's been the problem. And it, it drives me up a wall that they have ended the career of a player who went through the appeals process, did everything he was supposed to in that, but because he made a violation that doesn't threaten the integrity of the game, by the way, but he loses his the rest of his career while others who violate other more egregious rules, including the, the law of the land... And they get a slap on the wrist or nothing at all. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And it, it's come to be what we should expect from the NCAA. That they do not do anything except ruin careers. And when they are called upon to lead, they don't. And it's a sham. I'm tired of it. Like these are young men's careers that they are deciding on. And yet when it comes to figuring out stuff with COVID or figuring out stuff with the playoff or doing things with NIL, they back off and do nothing. 
And it is exhausting. And it's frustrating. And so I feel bad for Noah Shannon. I feel bad for Hawkeye fans. And I feel like I'm probably preaching to the choir, not just to Iowa fans, but to everybody. It's absurd. And I can't stand it. And there's nothing else I can say. So I'm just going to move on to week three, to week three games. It's It's an odd slate with week three. Because in some ways, it feels a bit like an appetizer to an amazing week four, right? You've got games like Penn State, Iowa, you have Ohio State, Notre Dame, several others. But also, you've got some interesting Power Five non-conference matchups and a couple of conference games where it's like, huh, this this might tell us more than we realized. So we're going to start on Friday, 7 p.m., FS1, the Virginia Cavaliers taking on the Mar- the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. It's in College Park. And, you know, my sense of Maryland coming into the season was I thought they were borderline top 25 team. They've got, you know, they've got the quarterback. I think Hemby is an underrated running back, good receiving core, underrated defense. And now you get a team that comes to town in Virginia who is not very good. They lost to Tennessee, uh, who I don't think Tennessee is as good as maybe I thought after week one. They lost to JMU. Meanwhile, Maryland, I think, looks good, right? They, they blasted Towson by 32. The Charlotte game was the, – the score I don't think really tells the story of that game because Charlotte got up 14 nothing early, and then I'm pretty sure Maryland – rattled off 38 straight points before Charlotte scored a garbage garbage time touchdown. So, And one of those touchdowns that Charlotte scored in the beginning was a pick six. So I, I feel like in some ways Maryland kind of looks a little blah, but I don't think Virginia is going to be able to do much. Like Virginia can't run the ball. Like they're, they're averaging less than 60 yards a game on the ground. And they're, they're allowing nearly 450 yards of offense a game. I think Tonga Vailoa has a big day. I, you know, they've scored 38 points in their last two games. I'm, I'm calling 38 to 17. I think, I think Virginia scores in garbage time, so I don't think it'll even be that close. But I think as they go into the meat of the Big Ten schedule for them next week, I think they, they start 3-0. So, Maryland, 38-17 over Virginia. Penn State at Illinois. Big noon kickoff game. So, it's noon, Fox, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft. This this is not going to be a good game for the big noon kickoff. Illinois fans, I know you're you're not going to like what I have to say. I think Illinois will be better later in the season. This is an awful matchup for them. Awful matchup for them, right? They they allowed 12 yards of carry to Devin Neal, uh, or to Neal, the, the one running back, and then uh, Highshaw, it was over eight yards of carry. And it was a decent line, but not a great line. Penn State's line's better. Penn State's backs are better. Illinois is allowing on the ground 224 yards a game. This is going to be a rough game. I'm calling 
I think it's going to be tough for Illinois to move the ball, right? You look at their rushing stats, you know, a quarter of their rushing yards came on one run from the quarterback. It's, it's, it's not looking great right now. And I think Illinois will get better, but it's just a bad matchup from a running perspective. And, a, and Penn State's defense... I think they will feast on a young quarterback who I think Altmaier's good. I think he's gonna be really good for Illinois. He's just young. And I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be costly. So 48-17, Penn State over Illinois. Neutral site game, Louisville at Indiana. Well, it's not at Indiana, it's Lucas Oil Stadium, so they're in Indiana. Uh Louisville, I'm I'm kind of surprised they're not ranked at all. Like they've they've been dominating teams and granted well they've been they dominated Murray State Georgia Tech was a weird game like they were down I think 28 to 12 at one point in that game but they're close to 600 yards a game on offense so I, I don't know how much of that is Murray State and them having to come from behind against Georgia Tech Indiana last week was a little bit of a surprise to me. Not because, you know, Indiana State's not good, but they were explosive and they dominated. It wasn't like a 30-point a win where it's like all throughout the game they were just kind of kind of scoring like every other drive. I mean, they dominated them early and then, you know, kind of backed off a little bit. Defensively, I think the Hoosiers are better than we gave them credit for. So I'm curious to see how that Hoosier defense does against a very explosive offense. At the end of the day, I think Louisville has too much firepower. So Louisville's a 10-point favorite. It's a 12 p.m. kickoff on the Big Ten Network. I like Louisville 34-20. to 20. So I do think Louisville covers, but I think they cover late. I think Indiana stays in this game more than I, ex- than I would have thought in the beginning of the season. Uh, next game is Georgia Southern versus Wisconsin. 12 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network as well. Wisconsin wiki, uh, licking their wounds. Uh, Georgia Southern is a decent Group of Five team. You know they they now they struggled against UAB defensively, but they they have a good offense, uh, decent quarterback and Bryn. So I I think. Wisconsin will probably be a little sluggish out of the gate, but I think they, they're going to try to establish their run game. And I think as they do that, they'll be able to open up play-action pass, Mordecai. Play. I think this, this ends up being kind of a name-your-score type game. I've got Wisconsin 45, Georgia Southern 21. Uh, Wisconsin is a 19.5 no, – no, 19.0 favorite. They're a 19-point favorite. It's in Madison. I think they cover Minnesota at number 20, North Carolina. Battle of unbeaten teams here. I said in in my preseason picks that I don't see a way for Minnesota to win this game because of the matchup. I I am curious because Kaliak Manis, he has not been great, but I think he's shown glimpses where I'm like, he could be much better than Tanner Morgan. And I think the receiving core has shown glimpses of what they could be. I just don't think 
that's where PJ Flex headspace is and, and how he wants to run this team. And I, I, I just think Kelly Manis is just too inconsistent. And you need a guy who's going to be consistent and driving the ball down the field if you're playing against Drake May. The way that you would beat North Carolina is you throw the ball on them because they're allowing over 300 yards a game. I don't think Minnesota is equipped to do that right now. And while I think Minnesota's defense is pretty good, like Tyler Newbins might be an All-American safety. He's really good. But you don't have that whole secondary. It's, it's a good secondary. It's not Penn State secondary. And I think you need that to be able to, to shut down or at least slow down North Carolina. I, North Carolina also is just balanced. And Minnesota struggled a little bit with the run. So ultimately, I think North Carolina, I think they win. I think they cover. UNC's an eight-point favorite. I've got it 38-20 to 20 UNC. Again, I think it's probably closer late and then UNC pulls away. I just don't know how Minnesota's going to score. They, they scored 25 against Eastern Michigan, and they struggled to score 13 against, I think, a decent Nebraska defense. But... I just I don't see where they're going to be able to to move the ball well well enough to to really stay in this with UNC Northwestern at number twenty one Duke three thirty kick on the ACC network Duke is a significant favorite eighteen and a half points I I wish I could say that Northwestern would build off of their win against UTEP. I think Duke is a whole different animal. Mike Elko has really coached these guys up. You know, they they, they really, in a sense, dominated Clemson and, you know, had really a, a, a week off last week. They played Lafayette. I, I like Duke. I like Duke big. I, I think it's, you know, 38 to 10. Just don't think that Duke will be I, – or I don't think Northwestern will be able to muster up enough offense. And, you know, it's it, – Subtly, Duke Duke's defense is is not terrible, right? Their offense is what what they talk about, but they're only allowing three hundred and seventeen yards. Granted, Lafayette was their last opponent, but I I think Duke's I think Duke is a top twenty five team this year, and I just don't think Northwestern is anywhere close to that. Western Michigan at number twenty five Iowa, three thirty kick on the Big Ten Network. I have no clue how they got to the line of. Iowa at 28 and a half. I, they, they're averaging 22 points a game. One of those games is against Utah State, who doesn't have a great defense. Iowa is averaging 259 and a half yards a game. They are allowing 50 yards more per game. And like, Iowa's defense is really good. And Iowa's offense is just, oh, it's abysmal. Like, it's not, oh, I don't understand it, man. Um, I think Iowa has dudes. I just don't think, I don't think Brian Ferentz wants to score. I, I don't think he wants to save his job at 25 points a game. So I, I think they do get above 25. I think they get 27. And I think Western Michigan gets six. Iowa does not cover. They win by 21. Uh, and I think the under looks... If I were a betting man, and I'm not, the under would seem very appropriate for me. 
Virginia Tech at Rutgers, 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. This is another game where I think early in the season, or early in preseason, I'm like, I think Virginia Tech will lose to Purdue but beat Rutgers. I'm going against that in this pick. I think Rutgers has has looked decent on the defensive side of the ball. I think Kyle Ungai has been... He's been steady. I think Wimsat has been steady. And I think Virginia Tech's defense is not all that great. Like, they're allowing close to 200 yards rushing on the ground, and that's where Rutgers wants to live. And if you you flip it around, Virginia Tech can't run the ball, and Rutgers doesn't let you run the ball. Like, Virginia Tech's averaging 60 yards a game on the ground. Rutgers is allowing 40 yards a game. Granted, it's against... Northwestern and Temple, but like Virginia Tech's run game is not very good. Like their their best running back, twenty seven carries, fifty nine yards. That's terrible. And Wells, their quarterback, is not efficient. So I I don't. I I think Virginia Tech, uh, like they, I I just don't think they're a good. This is not a good matchup for them. Like, Purdue didn't have as great of a defense, and they still only got 17 points. I think Rutgers' defense is better. I don't know how Rutgers, or I don't know how Virginia Tech gets to more than 14 points. And I think Rutgers, I think Rutgers will struggle to score in this game too, just because I don't think their offense is great. But I think Rutgers can get to 20. And so I like, I like Rutgers to win 20 to 13. I think they win by a touchdown, which they push because Rutgers is a seven point favorite. Western Kentucky will, will take on number six, Ohio state. It's a 4 PM kick on Fox. I am taking my son to this game, which is very exciting. It's his first ever Ohio state game. So it's very exciting. Ohio state's defense, uh, is only allowing 193 and a half yards per game. I did not realize that. Now, Indiana didn't really try to do much on offense, and they played Youngstown State last week. But if you look at the, just the raw numbers, Ohio State's defense is playing really well, both against the run and the pass. I think that changes a little bit this week. Western Kentucky has a, a pretty good quarterback uh, in Reed. They, they have a couple of good receivers, Blue Smith, uh, Messer. There's question of whether Corley is going to dress is going to be able to dress for this game and play. He's, he's a dynamic receiver, could be a top 10 receiver in the draft. So I mean Western Kentucky's got weapons. Defensively, they're not great. and so I think this is this is a good opportunity to see how Ohio State gel continues to gel with their offensive line, with naming, Kyle McCord, the starter. I think it's going to look rocky, and I think Ohio State fans, me included, are still going to feel a little iffy going into the Notre Dame game next week. I think Ohio State wins. They don't cover. Uh, it's a 29-point line for Ohio State. I've got 38-24 with a little bit more cohesion in the offense, but a few more question marks in the defense after this one. This 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 offense for Western Kentucky will stress you in ways that the, the first two games they were not tested. 
Number eight, Washington at Michigan State, a 5 p.m. kickoff. It's on Peacock. And again, preseason, I, I thought Washington big. I still think Washington wins. Um, I, I don't know what to make of Michigan State, though. Their defense has played lights out. They've only allowed 107 yards uh, on through the air, 99 yards on the ground. And Washington's defense has been good, not great. Now, they've been good about getting turnovers. They've been good about uh, not allowing points. So I could see a scenario where Michigan State turns the ball over a lot, even though they, they move the ball. But Kim has been efficient. No picks, five touchdowns. Carter has been very good on the ground. 37 carries, 224 yards. I just think it's too much firepower. But I think Michigan State hangs around a bit. Now, Washington's a 16-point favorite. I'm going to pick Washington 38, Michigan State 24. Michigan State covers. They don't, they don't win, but I think they cover. Uh, I think they, they are able to stick uh, to get a couple scores and stay, stay a little closer than people expect. Northern Illinois at Nebraska, Fox Sports 1. It's a 7 p.m. kick. Nebraska is licking their wounds from a, a really rough game. They are 11.5-point favorites. I, I, I think the big question is, can Jeff Sims get himself under control and not turn the ball over? Uh, he has been a walking turnover machine. The only way Northern Illinois can even keep this close is if there's a lot of turnovers. Northern, Northern Illinois stinks. And, I mean, they, they beat Boston College week one in overtime. And you think, oh, like, Northern Illinois beat Boston College. Boston College is also terrible. And Southern Illinois, they just got beat by Southern Illinois, and they only scored 11 points on Southern Illinois. This is not a good team. They, they have an okay offense. They have an okay defense. I think Nebraska is going to run the ball down their throats. I think they'll they'll play ball control, and I I just I don't think Northern Illinois is going to score. Uh, the only way they score is if they get turnovers. So I I'll, I'll say that they get a turnover and get three points, but I've got Nebraska twenty eight, Northern Illinois three. I think they they get a win in the win column here. Bowling Green at number two, Michigan, 7.30 kick, Big Ten Network. It's the last of Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension. It's another name-your-score game, right? Bowling Green is 1-1. One one. They they lost to Liberty. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything. I think Michigan will control the game. I don't think the score will be nearly as indicative as how, how much Michigan controls the game. Michigan's a 40-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I don't think they cover because that Michigan hasn't covered. They've just kind of controlled the ball. I'm going to say Michigan 38, Bowling Green 7. And I think that seven points comes at the, at the tail end of the game. Uh, one interesting note, Connor Bazelak, quarterback, former uh, quarterback at Indiana, now the quarterback of Bowling Green. So he has thrown three, pick, three picks to three touchdowns. I would not be surprised if he throws a couple more interceptions and not any more touchdowns. Probably the, the most intriguing game to me, and it's the last game, it's, it's the NBC game, the, the night game, 7.30 p.m., Syracuse at Purdue. During 
my preseason picks, I said Purdue probably their their hardest non-conference game was Fresno State. I think Syracuse is about to test that because Syracuse has dominated, albeit weaker weaker competition, but they have dominated their first two opponents by a combined score of 113 to 7. And that, I think that if you're a Boilermaker fan, that concerns me. Syracuse is averaging close to 600 yards of offense. Their defense has played lights out. They've only allowed 212 yards a game. Granted, against not great competition. But if I look at them versus looking at Purdue and what they've done, albeit against better competition, I'm just not so sure that Syracuse doesn't actually blow out the Boilermakers. Schrader has been very, very efficient for them. Five touchdowns to one pick. Good receiver in Hatcher. They've been running the ball efficiently. And while I think Hudson Card, I think is I think he's really good. I think they have a good young core of receivers. I think Maccabee is is underrated. Offensively, they have not been great. And defensively, they, they've just been okay. I think Syracuse can exploit Purdue's defense, which again is young. Ryan Walters is just starting to get that defense kind of figured out. That's going to be what he does this year. I think Syracuse beats Purdue on the road. And I, I like Syracuse by by a couple scores. Now, Syracuse is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm, I'm going to go with the orange. I'm going to say 34 to, to 20. And I, I think... I think Purdue's in it until about the third quarter, and then Syracuse pulls away. That'll do it for picks and for odds and ends. Again, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave a review, and drop me an email. Let me know what you think. Thanks for, for listening. So grateful for you, and hopefully next, next podcast we'll get it up on YouTube as well. As always, take care. God bless. 